This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Okay, let's go to God. Hey, Father, as we come before you today, we want to thank you for your word. And indeed, we pray that as we look at this topic of work and busyness and stress, uh, that you help us to listen to your word because you are our maker and you desire good for us, and it would be good for us to listen to you. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, do you get irritated if your bus or train leaves five minutes late? Uh, do you get exasperated when you have to wait in a long queue in the supermarket? Do you get upset if the cars or the people in front of you walk too slowly or they drive too slowly? Do you get frustrated uh, with your microwave machine because it takes too long uh, to heat up your food? Uh, do you always exceed the speed limit when you drive? Uh, always, are you always looking at your watch throughout the day and you feel that you're always re- running behind schedule? Well, if any of these things uh, ring true for you, or if you said yes to any of these things, you may be suffering from a sickness. And that sickness is, according to this cardiologist, uh, Maya Friedman, the hurry sickness, or the overdose of busyness. And apparently, just like a drug overdose can be fatal for your physical life, so busyness as an overdose can be fatal for your Christian life. So last week, we were talking about the topic about work. And we said that actually work was something which was made before the fall, right? So there was work already in creation before the fall. So actually work was there before sin came into the world, before rebellion came into the world. And work was a good thing. God called men and women to to take care of the world and to do good and to serve God under his rule. So we were like God's people in God's place under his rule, taking care of the world for him. So whether it's paid work or unpaid work, so we don't really have time to look into paid or unpaid work, Basically, it is good and godly for us to be working. That's what we concluded last week. But we also found that uh, last week, one of the last points that we made from the Bible was that God is a God over our work as well as our rest. And God has created us for a pattern of work and rest. So that's why we read of how uh, when God's people went into the promised land, God gave the Ten Commandments, uh, which was up here. And one of the commandments was to keep the Sabbath day holy by resting. And how basically we are to remember that we are creatures of dust and we need sleep and we need rest and we need the Sabbath. So today we want to explore that a bit more about the theme of the pattern of life that God has created us for. And I want to talk a bit more about this theme of busyness. Because busyness encapsulates more than just work, right? It is the pace of life in which we live. Uh, so there was this book that I read a while ago, which I can recommend to you. It's a very interesting book. Kevin DeYoung writes very well. He's not a boring writer, so I would recommend this book highly for you. And it's quite illustrative because he has the picture of a person running or moving at great speed as the picture of busyness, right? Because that's what busyness is really about. It's about how fast you run life, right? Whether you run at a fast pace, whether it is the rhythm of your life or whether it's beyond the rhythm of your life. And it goes beyond our work. It kind of encapsulates all of life. So what does the Bible say about busyness? Well, I think that at the very beginning, the first thing we have to say is actually, it is good uh, to be busy. It's good to be busy. Uh, when we look at the life of uh, God's people, the Apostle Paul, so to speak, and even Jesus himself, we see that they were living busy lives, right? They were not kind of like just sitting by the beach all day, drinking their tequilas or orange juice or whatever. They were working, right, busily and doing things. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul describes his ministry life. Uh, He says, I've been constantly on the move, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored, and I've toiled, I've often gone without sleep, 
I've known hunger, thirst, and I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? So you can see that the Apostle Paul led a busy life. He was laboring, he was toiling, he was moving around a lot. He wasn't having an easy life. And again, in the life of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 15 and Mark 3, we see that Jesus as well was very busy in ministry. Uh, So in verse 29 of Matthew 15, it says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Uh, Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. Again in Mark chapter 3, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. So in a sense, Jesus was so busy that his family was kind of like concerned that he was out of his mind, right? So you can see in this passage uh, that Jesus and the apostles led a busy life. They were busy serving people and busy loving people. So the first thing that we really want to say is actually there's nothing wrong in being busy, right? Busyness is a good thing because sometimes I feel like for some Christians, they, they feel like being busy is not a good thing, right? That, that life should be full of rest. Uh, I've met Christians in university when I was there who, like, they, they can't come to Bible study, they can't come to church, you know, because they're always saying they need to rest. Uh, you know, rest is very important. Uh, it almost becomes like rest is like this uh, idol for, for some Christians. So I remember uh, when I was in theological college, I met this guy who was in uh, the year above me, and he happened to be a chartered accountant. So we were talking over lunch one day, and I asked him uh, when he did his chartered accounting exams, and he told me it was the, the year, just the year before he went to theological college. So I said, um, that doesn't really make sense, right? Why do you want to make your life so hard for yourself? I mean, if you know you're going to go to theological college, why did you bother to do the, theologi- uh, sorry, the chartered accounting exams when you know that you're not going to be accountant anyway. And he said, well, the reason was because in his chartered accounting firm, there were two Christians who preceded him, who came before him. And uh, according to his words, uh, they were bludgers. So, you know, this is the Australian way of saying they were slackers. Lah. So, you know, these Christians, apparently, when they went to work, they weren't working very hard. They were always, you know, leaving work straight on the door. They weren't responsible. They were very slack in their work. They were bludgers. So he wanted to show that actually, as a Christian, you could be someone who was responsible and hardworking, and then you could still leave and become a, a pastor. And I think that's very important for us because as Christians, we shouldn't feel that busyness is a bad thing. That, you know, the epitome of the Christian life is just resting all the time. In fact, in the Bible, it tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and Titus chapter 2, uh, that actually... The Bible exhorts us to be busy in life. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says, We hear that some among you are idle. Uh, They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. And again in Titus chapter 2, it says, Likewise, teach older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one may malign the word of God. So we see here that actually uh, there, there were two things that uh, God was saying through the Apostle Paul that were wrong with Christians. One was that they were idle. Right? They were idle and they were using their leisure in an unproductive way. And what they were doing was, the second problem was that idleness was leading to them being busy by being busy in the wrong things. They were busy gossiping or they were busy slandering or they were busy getting uh, drunk, so to speak. So the first point, I think, that if we look at this collection of passages in the Bible, is that actually busyness is a good thing. Because actually, if you're just resting all the time and you're not actually busy, 
then you're not actually fulfilling God's will for you to take care of the earth that God has given us. But also, idle hands are the devil's work sometimes, right? When you're idle, you're resting all the time. Instead of doing the good things that God wants you to do, you can actually end up doing the bad things, right? You spend your time uh, frittering away or, or gossiping or slandering or, or, or getting drunk. So it's good to be busy. But at the same time, busyness is actually portrayed also as a bad thing in the Bible. Because busyness can cause us to be distracted from our relationship with Jesus. So in the passage that we read in Luke chapter 10, in the uh, responsive reading, Jesus visits two sisters, right? Martha and Mary. So he came to this village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Mary was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So if you spend some time reflecting on this incident, you can see that it's actually very deep and profound, right? Because Martha, in her mind, thinks that she's doing the right things in being busy. And she feels that actually her sister is doing the wrong thing by spending time with Jesus. So Martha comes to Jesus and says, look, Jesus, tell my sister to come and help me. But actually, Jesus rebukes Martha and says, actually, your sister is doing the better thing, the right thing. And I think that this is a very important principle for our busyness. Right? And this is where we're going to go a bit deeper in our understanding of busyness. Because busyness, as it says here, can be a distraction from us in our relationship with Jesus. Because the only thing that really matters uh, when you really consider our understanding of Jesus is our relationship with Jesus must be the first priority in our life, in our busyness, so to speak. Because the, the word here, distraction, is never a positive word in the Bible. Okay, so in the next slide, I saw this picture, right? She was distracted because Martha was worried about many things. She was upset about many things. But in verse 41, if you look at your passage, it says only one thing is needed, right? So Jesus is saying that this worry and upset by being busy about other things is actually drawing Martha away from the one thing that really mattered, which was her relationship with Jesus. And I think this is the common theme in the Bible, that busyness can be a distraction from the one thing that really matters, our relationship with God through Jesus. Because it's very easy to be distracted by many trivial things, right? Uh, you know, if I'm driving my car, what is the one thing that is really important? Uh, keeping my eyes on the road, right? If, if I'm stuck fiddling around with my radio, I keep, you know, if, if like, you know, sometimes you, for those of you who've been driving, you notice I'm not, not to malign uh, rental car drivers. I mean, sorry, uh, um, people who drive for Grab or whatever. But you know, you often see them moving around randomly on the road, right? Then you drive to them, they're like replying on their phones or checking you know, the, the, their roots, because they're not focusing on what's really important, right? You're like using your phone while you're driving, or like, even nowadays when you walk on the street and you see people playing games on their phone or looking at their Facebook while they're walking around and they sort of like run into you as if it's your fault, right? It's because they're not paying attention to what's really important, which is walking to wherever they need to go, right? They're distracted. And so, there's not, Jesus is not saying that there's anything wrong with cleaning your house, or that Martha was wrong in preparing food for him. But what was the thing that really was the most important thing that she should be focusing on? Her relationship with Jesus. And I think that that's something that busyness can take us away from. Right? We're so busy, or like it says, distracted by our worries and, and, and upset about our many things, that we lose our focus in our relationship with Jesus. 
So I remember um, many, many years ago, when I first came to BDPC, um, I was still in my previous church. So for about six months, I was the interim moderator here at BDPC while I was still serving my previous church. And, uh, and actually, I was really busy then. I was looking after the youth group, my previous church. I was looking after uh, five BB and GB companies. I was setting up two more in another school. Uh, and I was preaching here. And I, and I started getting these headaches. So I bought some books on time management because I thought, you know, if I could only figure out my time management, then I could solve the problem, right? But then one thing I learned from the time management books, which they kept repeating over and over again, was that time is not elastic, right? Time is not elastic. You can't make 24 hours 25 by being more efficient. You only just get 24. So the one thing that they kept saying was the art of time management was the art of saying no to things, right? It was the art of leaving things undone and deciding what not to do. That's what time management really is all about. And I remember this quote uh, that I read in one of the time management books, which actually said, every time you say no to something, you're giving value to your yeses. So it makes sense, right? If I say, yes, I'm going to meet you, then I say, yes, I'm going to meet another person. Yes, I'm going to meet another person. Then the more I say yes to everything, the less value each Yes makes, right? But every time I say no, I give more value to the things I say yes to because I have more energy and time to commit to those things. And I think that that's what Jesus is really saying here, that, that in order to say, for, for Martha to say, spend time with him, then she had to say no to the housework or the cooking or the preparing in order to spend more time on what was more important, which was her relationship with Jesus. So what we are really saying here is that there's nothing wrong with things or busyness of housework or busyness with many, many things. But once it starts affecting your relationship with Jesus and affecting your relationship and focus on God, then it becomes a distraction and it becomes a fatal distraction. So I think for us, as we look at this passage, uh, what is really important is for us, as you look in the title of your bulletin, is to keep the first things first. We must be busy with our relationship with God first before we are busy and distracted with other things. It comes back to the parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 8, where he gives the parable of the sower, where the gospel seed is sown in different people represented by the different soils. And it speaks of the third soil where the seed, the gospel, falls among the thorns and it stands for those who hear, but they go on their way and they're choked by life, worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the good seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and very preserving, produce a crop. So again, the, the idea of being choked by the worries is very much similar to what was happening to Mary, uh, sorry, to, to Martha. She was distracted by the, by the worries and anxieties about many things and therefore wasn't giving her focus to her relationship with God through Jesus. So I was reading this uh, Daily Bread book that I read many years ago. It's a little green book and it's always filled with all these quotes by, by all these people I've never heard of, but they're very good quotes. So this guy in 1820 said, uh, there, is, there is no greater hindrance to getting into the thoughts of God than having our minds filled with our thoughts, our own thoughts or the thoughts of men. And I think that's very true, isn't it? Because our minds can only really be filled with one thing at a time. So if your mind is always filled with the busyness and anxieties and worries of many other things, then your mind will not also be then able to focus on what God is doing in your life or what God wants you to do in your life. So I want you to think of your life in terms of uh, this glass bottle, right? Uh, the next one, the next slide. Is it the slide of the glass? Ah, okay. We'll do, we'll do the glass first, okay? So this is your life, lah. Can you imagine this is your life and you fill up your life? So I'm sure that, you know, for those of you who have gone to children's church, whether um, you've, you've done this illustration before, you've seen this in some way or form, but the way we normally fill up our lives 
is to, you only got 24 hours, right? So this is your 24 hours. Okay, so you fill it up. Okay, so you fill up work, hobbies, TV, computer games, tra training, job. Oh, okay, many, many things. Okay? Hey, no, 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 so far, so far. Okay, so anyway, so you're filling out all these things, all right? But then afterwards, after you filled it out with all these busyness things, which in a sense Martha was filling up, right? These are all the daily things that we fill up. Then with the spare time, if we do have any spare time, then we kind of like have the leftover time for the last thing. So click again. So your daily Bible reading, your daily prayer, church, Bible study. But the problem is that there's no more time left, isn't it? Because all your time is filled with these other things which you've already filled it up with. But rather, what Jesus is really saying with our busyness is that we need to fill it up with the things that really matter first, right? which is the things which constitute our relationship, our ongoing relationship with, with God through Jesus. And then we fill it up with other things like work and then your hobbies and your ministries and everything else. And sometimes you find that, well, if I fill it up with what matters to God first, then there's some other extraneous things which are not really important, which can't fit into my 24 hours. Because what we really have to see is that busyness can be a fatal distraction which leads us to actually fall away from our relationship with God. And that's why in that, um, in that book that I was reading, the next slide, the crazy busy book, he's saying that when we have a busyness which causes us to drift away from God, and in his words, he say we need to kill that sort of busyness or that busyness will kill you. And it's true, right? If you, if you live that sort of busy life, which squeezes and basically kills and chokes your Christian life, then you've got to kill it first before it kills your Christian life. And I know that, uh, and that's true, isn't it? Because ultimately, what really, really matters is a sense of priority. Our priority must be, first and foremost, uh, to our relationship with God and our responsibilities under God and then all the other things. Right? Our, our responsibilities cannot be first to our hobbies or to our, you know, different things like cleaning the house. Not that cleaning the house is bad, but cleaning the house is good. But on the scale of things, cleaning the house cannot be more important than our relationship with God, right? So, uh, better to have a dirty house and a good relationship with God then a clean house and no relationship with God. Do you all agree? Yes, yeah, true, right? Okay. So, I remember how um, uh, it was very sad once I actually met uh, an elder of a church. And um, this elder of a church was saying that actually um, he wants to keep his people really busy because if they're not busy with church things, they'll be busy with other things. But it was very sad because I spoke to someone from his church as well. And this person was uh, suffering from burnout. And uh, his children were basically saying that he was uh, neglecting them. And I think that, that actually when you think about it, if you think about the glass jar over again, right, uh, you need to fill the glass jar first and foremost with the things that are really important. So it must be your relationship with God comes first in your time. Uh, being a good father... And a good husband must come into that. And then your work. And then all the other things, isn't it? It cannot be that you fill up the glass with all the irrelevant things and then you give the leftover time to God and your, your spouse and your children. Because then the order is all wrong. So I remember how, uh, you know, I've said to people in our own church who are struggling with burnout or, you know, uh, some mental health issue that you should drop out of ministry. Because... Sometimes your season of life just means that you're too busy to even do ministry at church, right? You should just have a rest because maybe you have young children or you have very sick parents that you need to look after or you have exceptional work circumstances or you have some health issue. Uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, all of us must be like, you know, burning ourselves out uh, because we only have 24 hours a day and we need to fill up that glass jar with our relationship with God first, uh, our responsibilities as parents and as husbands and wives uh, and as workers. And then if we have time, then we can do all these other things. Now I say this 
sincerely because actually the best man of my at my wedding many many years ago he was a good friend of mine he was architecture student at uh, university he was uh, very involved in christian ministry uh, but unfortunately he never finished university he never graduated as architect uh, the reason was because he was doing so much stuff he was so busy in his life that he that he suffered a, a, a breakdown. So he basically had to take the whole year off. And when he came back to university again, he, he was never the same. He couldn't finish his degree. Uh, even today, I'm very glad he's still a Christian, but he doesn't do any more Christian ministry. So you can see that, that he had a glass jar, right? But the problem was that uh, the glass jar was too full and the glass jar uh, broke la, in the end, right? Yeah, okay, so, so you can imagine, right? So you, you fill this glass jar, you're 24 hours, and you fill out so many things uh, that you, you, you're, the, the glass jar just breaks. It just, you know, you just can't take it, right? And I think that's a reality for us in terms of understanding uh, how we need to, to fill up our 24 hours with the right priorities. Uh. Like the time management book says, you can't, time is not elastic, right? You can't make one minute two. It's always one minute. But it's choosing what you say no to, to give value to the things that you say yes to. And I think one of the things that, especially as Singaporeans, we struggle with is the idea of rest. So last week, we touched on this issue where if we find meaning and identity in our work, we are, we're tempted to sacrifice our rest in order to, to feel better about ourselves because we move a few places above other people in terms of our, our class where we study, or in terms of our office, where we get ahead of our, um, our colleagues. But I think rest is a very important issue. right? So again, I want to touch on it here, where statistics have shown that the average, uh, this is American statistics, the average American uh, sleeps two and a half hours less than a century ago. So that means like in 1919, right? Americans slept two and a half hours longer than they do today. But the human body is still the same, right? So I presume that we still need sleep, but we're just not sleeping enough, right? But actually, there's a spiritual danger in having too little sleep. Um, uh, actually, it's quite funny because I remember in theological college, just, I just came to me, um, there was this guy in my class who wasn't getting enough sleep. And so the lecturer was actually saying that he needs to get more sleep. Uh, then he became very grumpy, right? And then the lecturer was saying, see, exactly that's why you need more sleep, right? Because the lack of sleep actually causes you to be ungodly because you, 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 you become more irritable. Uh, I know myself, I know I talk to people. Uh, if you, you have less sleep, you're, you have less self-control, right? People who are tempted are more easily given into the temptation when they are tired. So people who surf the net, they look at pornography when they're more tired, right? Because they have less self-control. So I remember Don Carson was preaching a sermon many years ago on religious doubt. And he said that one, out of, one of the causes of religious doubt was simply sleep deprivation. Because when you're tired, right, you, 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 you feel down, you don't feel strong in your faith. So if you, I think if you look at the passage in 1 Kings chapter 19, it's a very famous passage on the prophet Elijah. So Elijah, he had battled against the 450 prophets of Baal. And he, you know, he become victorious. Remember, there's a very famous scene where God uh, pours down fire from heaven to light the sacrifice which uh, Elijah had uh, soaked in water. So you'd think that Elijah would be, you know, full of uh, euphoria and triumphant, right? But instead... Uh, the queen wants to take his life. So he becomes afraid and he, he runs for his life. So when he came to Bathsheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he went on a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. 
The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him. Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. Now you can see here that uh, what is really being shown is that Elijah was just physically exhausted. He was physically exhausted, so spiritually he, his battery was very flat. Uh, I don't know whether you've heard of this very famous preacher called Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Okay, do you know cassettes? There were these things that, were, that we used to listen to before, long ago. I used to have a whole set of Martin Lloyd-Jones cassettes, right, which I bought like very cheap from Scripture Union when they were on sale. And I remember listening to a sermon where he was talking about uh, somebody who came to see him with uh, spiritual depression, basically. And uh, so he's, he's a real doctor, right? He's not a PhD. He's a real doctor, Martin Lloyd-Jones. So he diagnosed him and he said, uh, this is my prescription for you. Right? I don't think you're losing your faith. I think you just need a, weeks of good, a week of good sleep. And that's often the case, right? Sometimes when you're physically tired, it, it affects your faith because you're just, you're just emotionally and physically burnt out. And I find that in this topic of busyness, it's not just work that's the issue, but it's the distraction of our hobbies, right? Computer games, Facebook, uh, watching, uh, you know, uh, like binge watching Netflix till early hours in the morning, things like that, right? And it makes you very tired and it actually affects your spiritual life. So that glass jar, your 24 hours, your first priority is your relationship with God. You're actually affecting your relationship with God because you're filling it up with binge watching I don't know, whatever you watch on Netflix or, you know, you're filling it up with computer games or you're filling it up with, uh, you know, internet use before you sleep. So someone once shared to me that, uh, you know, when they want to torture you, they, they give you sleep deprivation and they keep waking you up and irritating you at irregular hours, right? So, you know, you lie down, then they come and get you at one, after one hour. Then you lie down, they can't get you after 15 minutes. Then you lie down, they can't get you after one hour, 45 minutes. Well, actually, in a sense, sometimes our electronic device notifications are a bit like that, right? Because, you know, like, it's just, you're, like, you know, when you have your notification on your phone, right? You're lying there, and then every randomly, the, the phone starts beeping you because you've got something on your WhatsApp. It beeps you, you've got something on your Facebook notification. It beeps you, you've got something on your Twitter. And that's, in a sense, torture, right? Because you can't rest, right? So imagine, like, because... Um, my kids are not here, but I'm always telling them to turn off their mobile phones besides their bed, right? Because like randomly, things will be irritating them or I find it irritating on their behalf, right? Uh, that, that, you know, they're being notified of things which are really completely irrelevant when they should be resting. So in the same way for us, we need to guard our rest because our rest affects our spiritual life. And if our spiritual life is the most important thing in our life, then we cannot let these other things affect our spiritual life because if not, it becomes a fatal busyness or distraction which takes away our relationship with God. And that would be a terrible thing, right? Could you imagine you lose eternal life because of Facebook? I mean, that would be so sad, isn't it? Like, we don't see you in heaven and why is that? Because of your Facebook. I mean, what was the point of it all, isn't it? Okay, so let's move on. I think also we can be too busy because we feel that we want to be in control of everything. And we touched on this last week, right? So I want to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is the very famous passage about how uh, the church is full of rivalry, okay, between different apostles, preachers in the city of Corinth. And this is what the apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth. Uh, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, 
You are God's field, God's building. Now, uh, I want to ask you this question. If you feel that you're very busy right now, uh, how many more hours would you feel you needed in a day in order to be less busy? So if I give you 26 hours in a day, would you be happy with that? 28 hours? 30 hours a day, would that then make you feel that you can finish everything? Actually, the reality is, even if I gave you 48 hours a day, you still manage to fill it up and feel really busy, right? Because it's not, it's not about the amount of time you have, it's about the priorities that you give it, right? But why do we fill it up? Right? Why do we fill it up even if we have 30 hours a day? I think it's because we want to feel that we are responsible for our results. So if I have 30 hours a day, I would say, oh, that's great, isn't it? Because I'll be able to work more and achieve more and do more and so have greater control over the results of a particular task, isn't it? But this part is always, this passage has always struck me uh, greatly, right? Because God rewards uh, His people not based on success, but it's based on labor. Okay, if you actually look at the original Greek word for labor, it literally means for your toil. And I think this is very, very important and something that we kind of like just read through, right? I mean, how many times have I just, we just read through 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and we never really pick it up. But God rewards His people based on toil and labor. Not on fruit and results. Because the fruit and results is God's work. Our work is just the labor and toil. And I think this is so important because it means that I could be a missionary in some place where there is a hard ground and I could spend my whole life there and I could never, I mean, there's some, unfortunately, if you read the real stories of missionaries and there is no fruit at all, right? You could spend a decade there and there's not even one convert. But yet, because God rewards my labor, my toil, I'll be rewarded just as much as if someone, you know, worked in some field where there was lots and lots of fruit. So what this passage really is saying is we are only responsible for our toil and we leave the fruit and success to God. Now, if we understand this principle, then it actually frees us from a lot of the unnecessary stress and anxiety which comes from busyness. Because I just work as hard as I can during the 24 hours I have or within the time of the 24 hours I have. And then the fruit, the success, is actually based on what God gives me. So I was listening to John Piper many years ago. Uh, and John Piper described this diagram. Uh, next slide. Where he says that in life, there is a circle of control and there's a circle of care. So what the circle of control really represents is what I can really control in my life. And he was saying that the circle of control is, I mean, actually, it's, it's, it's only really big because I needed to fit 36 point font so you can see it. But actually, in the real life, if you think of life properly, your circle of control is minuscule, right? What can you really control? Only yourself, right? You, you, can't, you can't really control all the things you care about, isn't it? You can't control what your boss thinks of you. You can't control what the final result of how hard you worked, right? You can't control, uh, I mean, to a certain degree, you can't control exactly what you get in your, your exam, right? You can try your best, but you can't really control, you know, to a great degree exactly what you're going to get, right? And I think it is, it is this um, desire for control which drives us to be busy and busy and anxious and full of worries, right? Because we, we, we think we can actually control the circle of care, but we can't. We can only control how hard we work uh, or the, the, the wisdom of uh, the effort that we put in. But the result actually really is in God's hands. And that's why when, when you are given the 24 hours, uh, all you can really do is to work faithfully within the 24 hours that God gives you and you should just be happy with the results uh, of the fruit of success that God gives you. 
So one of the great lessons that I learned when I was in theological college was uh, during the first week or two when I went to my theological college, actually my theological college is a very competitive place. It was more competitive than any educational institution I've ever been to in my life. And so they have this problem of uh, competitiveness in my theological college in particular. So they told us that uh, there is a guideline for each thing that you are supposed to do in theological college. So if you have this exercise, you can only spend a maximum of 10 hours. You have this essay, you can only spend an hour, uh, 30 hours, and that's it. You, you know, if, if, uh, if you spend more than that, you're, you know, you're sinning, right? Because they said, that, they said that they don't want us to neglect our families or our, our, you know, our children, our spouses. Because he said, look, you know, if you spend 10 hours and you get a C, well, you thank God that you get a C, right? But if you spend 10 hours and you get an A, well, you thank God that you get an A because that's what, that's, that's what you get. Right? That's what you get for your labor. And it just means that maybe the person who got a C, well, that's the, the level of their gifts that God has given them. If you get an A, that's the level of gifts that God has given you. And that's the reality of life, right? Because <clears throat> I was thinking of an illustration. I was thinking, okay, let's say I, I had a Corolla before, right? So if I have a 1.6 liter Corolla, and that's my, my brain, my, my, my IQ, my EQ, everything that composes me, and you are this like turbocharged, don't know how many, 2.4 or 3.5 liter Ferrari, then in order for me to keep up with you, okay, so imagine we're in a race, right? Okay, so we're both in a race, but, but imagine this is the race of life, right? In order to keep up with you in real life, it means that maybe uh, you work like three hours on assignment, but I have to work six, right? But I can only keep up with you for so long because if I keep doing double of the time that you're doing in order just to keep up with you, I will uh, burn out in the end, isn't it? I'll either physically and mentally, emotionally be dead or I'll never see my family. I'll never see my kids. But, but God actually basically says uh, that we live in a world where all you can do is just do the best you have in the time that you have but keep the priority in God and your family and your own responsibilities as a Christian first. And whatever you get, that's what God wants you to get. And you should give thanks for that because that's, that's all you are, right? Not everybody can be the, the Ferrari. Some of us are Corollas, right? Some of us are, I don't know, some other car, right? I mean, it's, it's like we're all different and we just have to work the hours we work and be accept, happy with God, what God has given us. So the difference, I think, as we saw last week is, uh, whether as Christians we are willing to do good in this world and to work and take care of the world that God gives us, or we want to look good, right? Because if work is giving us our meaning, our identity, then we always want to look good through our work. We all want to, we all want to be the top 10%. We all want uh, the highest paying job. But God says, if you have to sacrifice your relationship with God, if you have to sacrifice your responsibilities as a Christian father, a Christian husband, uh, a Christian wife, a Christian mother, then, then that's wrong, isn't it? Because that's not what God has called us to. The last thing I think, um, I think we should think about also in terms of this idea of uh, busyness is the idea that actually uh, when we understand the way God has made things, uh, God is the one who is really in control and not so we looked at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and Ecclesiastes, as we saw last week, is part of the wisdom literature which tells us of the reality of the life under the sun. Now, if you look at this passage, you may be tempted to think, well, uh, this passage is actually telling us uh, that uh, we are to determine what the time is so that we can do what we're supposed to do in that time. But actually, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you know that this is not true. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes basically is saying that we are living in a time uh, which is outside of our control because God is the one that orders all our steps. And that shows because can you determine the time to be born? You can't, right? And you can't determine the time to die. Right? It's all in God's hands. And I think that this is very important principle for us because I think that we as uh, people think that we can control the time that we live in. And so therefore, we're always very frustrated 
when we are in a time which we feel we don't want to be in. So I found it very uh, refreshing when we were studying Ecclesiastes because uh, we didn't really preach on it because it's not come something that comes out each chapter, but it's, it's a thematic thing within Ecclesiastes, right? That if God is in control of our time and He's in control of everything and we live in a world where really we have very little power under the sun, then there's an acceptance that actually God is the one who is in control of all things. And well, if this is the time for me to be grieving, then I should be grieving. If this is the time for me to be sick, then I shouldn't be like fighting about it and thinking, well, you know, why is God doing it? I mean, this is just a, the time that God, the season of life that God has given me. So I remember uh, my, my, my children, um, they get very frustrated lah, whenever things are not moving fast. I guess they live in a world where they expect everything to move very fast. So, you know, you're, you're caught in a traffic jam, right? They'll, they'll get very frustrated that, you know, this is wasting my time in this traffic jam, right? Or somehow we're stuck in this slow queue in the supermarket. They'll be like, always like, why is this queue so long? We should be going to that queue or we should... So like, I'm always saying like this, you know, maybe God, uh, God's time for us is to be, to be in this traffic jam, right? Uh, God's time for us is to be caught in this, in this uh, jam across the second link before we go to the church camp, right? Or it's God's time for us to be stuck in this queue in the, the supermarket. And it's not about fighting the time that God has put us in, but to be accepting the time that God has put us in. Because by doing so, then basically you're just saying, well, I'm just living my life in the time that God has given me in a faithful way, rather than always fighting against the circumstance that I find myself in. Because I could be the richest person in the world, but can I live a life full of grief and suffering? No, right? There will, there will still be times of grief and suffering which come upon me. Um, I could be really smart, but will I not suffer times of disappointment and failure? Of course I will, right? I might be the smartest person, but I'll still make mistakes. Other people will still you know, do things which affect my work. I can still accept it. I've done what I can faithfully for the 24 hours that God has given me. So I feel like as we look at this passage about busyness, to summarize, um, the next slide. So it's okay to be busy. I think as Christians, we shouldn't be thinking that we should always be guarding our rest. Oh, we need to be resting and resting all the time, right? The whole purpose of the Christian life is rest. But it is important to be busy with the right things. We should be doing what is good and right. And the first good and right thing must be spending time with Jesus. And we must make sure that we're not distracted by our busyness, right? Where the busyness leads to anxiety and worry and, and, and squeezes and chokes our Christian life. We should work and live faithfully and, and let God worry about the rest, right? So in a sense, we just work faithfully in the time that we have and whatever results we have, well, God will, you know, we, we let God worry about it. So in conclusion, uh, I can't remember where I read this illustration before, but apparently it's a true story. There was a, this old gentleman in England who once led a, a group of Christians in a monthly prayer meeting. Uh, so they would meet early in the morning, they would pray. And um, when they end the prayer, he would go to work, and then he said that uh, he would wish each of them that they would go blithely into a new day, right? So most of us have no idea what this word blithely means, right? So blithely apparently means that you may care in a carefree and a cheerful and a lighthearted way go into the day. And it really is a word which represents where it's a it's a word where there's no strain, no tension, no stress. Uh, and the reason why he was able to do that was because he felt that. He knew in his heart that he was a child of God right? and that uh, Jesus Christ had forgiven him. He was safe in the arms of Jesus and that God was in control of all things. And he knew that he didn't have to worry about anything because he just had to do his bit. And he knew that uh, in the sphere of care, really God would take care of the rest, uh, whether it would be his salvation whether it would be the results of his work. So he felt that he could really walk 
blithely into the day because all he needed to worry about was to do what he needed to do. And uh, good or bad, whatever the result, it was all in God's hands. And indeed, his own salvation was in God's hands. So the, what was there to worry about? So I think in the sense, uh, that was a very uh, interesting illustration to me when I, when I read that, right? But, but it's, in a sense, it's, it's very deep and profound, right? Because we believe that God has sent Jesus to die for us. And if Jesus died for us, how much more will God give us? Then, well, we don't really have to worry about salvation. Uh, if God rewards us for our labors, I just have to work faithfully at work. Uh, the results are in God's hands. I mean, what can I do, right? I mean, uh, what can I, can I control what Trump does? I can't, right? Can I control what uh, President Z does? I can't also, right? I just do what I need to do. Everything else is in God's hands. And uh, whether God gives me good times or bad times, uh, that's the time that God has given me. What's there to worry about? So in a sense, it, it is very uh, freeing, right, in that sense, to, to think of the realities of what God has given us and say, well, see, the most important thing, therefore, must be to ensure that our relationship with God is strong through Jesus. Uh, and just to trust God and the rest of it and to work faithfully in the time that we have. Hey, let's go to God in prayer. Hey, dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we pray that uh, as we've been through quite a few passages today, that you help us to think a bit more about this topic of busyness and how it actually is good to be busy. But busyness can be a great uh, fatal curse on our Christian life. That if our busyness crowds out our relationship with Jesus, if it chokes our Christian life, it is something that we need to, to deal with, we need to kill. Help us to see that often our busyness comes from a wrong understanding of um, desiring to, to, uh, to deal with issues in life, to deal with the wrong priorities in life, to give our time and worry uh, to the things that really are outside our control. Help us to see that you are God who is in control of all things and that uh, what we really need to do with our limited 24 hours is to just uh, work faithfully before you in the time that uh, we have to be able to, um, to, to end each day confidently to know that we are standing strong in Christ and to leave everything else to you. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.